All right. Good morning. How are you? Merry Christmas to you. Good to see all your smiling faces. I, I want to apologize up front. My voice is a little weak and shaky, so I have some good news for you this morning. I'm not going to preach as long as I normally do, and I don't want to hear a bunch of amens here, okay? That's an inappropriate time for a loud amen. You should be grieving. You should be sad that I'm not going to preach as long today, but my voice is going to hold out. Amen. So, but let me give you a heads up. I could cough. I could sneeze. All kinds of things could happen up here. So I just want you to know those of you on the front row, now is the time to pray for the shield of faith, to extinguish the fiery darts of your pastor that may come your way. All right. So last, last Sunday, I was so sick last Sunday. I had this nasal infection, congestion. Uh, I, I, I sounded like Kermit the Frog. I looked like Kermit the Frog. It was awful. So I do appreciate Pastor Daniel stepping in at the last minute. You did not want me in front of you last Sunday, but I am better now. I'm not contagious. I didn't get COVID, so all the rumors can stop. I was just had a really bad sinus infection. Pretty exciting stuff around my house. I mean, really, really exciting stuff. How many of you had that little congestion stuff going on, all right? I just pray healing over all of you. All right, I don't mean to alarm you, but this Friday is Christmas Eve. All right, how many of you, let me just stop here for a moment. How many of you at your house, this is true at my house, that Pam has this long list of things that she has to do, and I have like two things to get right. I need to cook a ham or a turkey and not forget to get something for Pam. Everything else is on Pam's list. So y'all pray for Pam this week. So this week's a busy week. How many of you are like that at your house, right? I think dudes get off super easy during Christmas season. So I just wanna say thank you to Pam for that. She's actually homesick today. So Pam, I love you, thinking about you, praying that when I get home today, you feel better. So we're gonna be better. Um, all right, so Christmas Eve, we have three services here in this room. We're gonna add some chairs. We're gonna make room for as many people as possible. It's going to be really, really full. So I want you to show up with a good attitude. If you show up and the seat that you normally sit is, you know, you're sitting in right now, there may be a complete stranger sitting there. So I want you to be kind. I want you to act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, behave like Jesus, smell like Jesus, everything. Okay, I want you to be Jesus. A lot of guests will be here on Friday. So we have three services and I want you to remember these. It's 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and 6 p.m. Now we've had that banner out there since Halloween, so you should already have this, you know, you should have this memorized by now. So come now, let me just say, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. will be the most crowded. So if you wanna come and not be as crowded, maybe you, you and your family could come at the 6 p.m. service, it won't be as crowded as the 2 p.m. and the 4 p.m. All right, now, next Sunday is December 26th, and we're only gonna have one Sunday morning service, and it's going to start at 10 a.m. I'm gonna give you a quiz at the end of the sermon if you remember all these times, all right? So the Sunday morning service will be different than the Christmas Eve service. So come to Christmas Eve, show back up here on Sunday morning, December 26th. We'll have a 10 a.m. service. It's going to be great, all right? Turn with me, is that good? All right, four of you are excited about that. It's awesome. I love a super contagious, excited church. All right, so turn with me to Matthew chapter two. Matthew two. And we're gonna talk about three of the most, I believe, interesting characters in the Christmas story. And they're widely misunderstood. We're gonna to talk today about the three magi, the three wise men, who they are, why did they show up, 
And why does it matter to us today about why the message that they were bringing? So I'm gonna talk about the Magi and the three gifts. And this story is told in really amazing detail out of Matthew chapter two. So turn there with me and let's read it again. I'm gonna read all 12 verses of the story because it is a fantastic story. Okay, Matthew two, verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, which Judea is the region of the world, think of it as a county or the region, Bethlehem is in that particular region, during the time of King Herod. Underline that name because he's also a fascinating part of this story. He says, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked this question, and this question is disturbing. This question is gonna upset everyone. He says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now, the reason that question was very unsettling is that Herod himself considered himself king of the Jews. You can imagine this group of people coming into town and saying out loud in the public square, where has the king of the Jews been born? And we have this young ruler, Herod, who is deeply disturbed by that question because he thinks he's king of the Jews. And he says, we saw this star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was very disturbed. And that's putting it mildly. He is the one, a very insecure leader. He's violent by nature. He's uh, very young. He's unsettled. He's prone to impulsive decisions. And this particular event has really unsettled his heart. And it was greatly disturbed. In fact, all of Jerusalem is upset by this question that these three magi are asking. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, pastors, preachers, those kinds of people, he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? In other words, according to Hebrew prophecies, where will the Messiah be born? And this group of experts that Herod has pulled together says, well, it's gonna be in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And I said this to you a couple of Sundays ago, that the Hebrew prophecy said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, that he would flee to Egypt, but he would be raised in Nazareth. And Jesus, he fulfilled all three of those prophecies. He was born in Bethlehem, he fled to Egypt, but he was raised in another town called Nazareth. So then Herod called the Magi secretly. So he has this secret meeting now with these three wise men. And he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, I want you to come back and tell me, report it back to me so that I too may go and worship him. And he's lying there. He's being, he's being deceptive. And after they heard the king, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stop here just for a moment. It's important in this story to see how many times the wise men had discernment. How many times they were able to see past half truths and to see the full truth. And after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of him. So the same star that they had seen before now rose up in front of them again. And this is a prophetic star, it was a sign in the heavens and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, when they saw this sign from heaven, when God nudged them and showed them the sign from heaven, 
They were overjoyed. Listen, this is why Christmas is one of the most joyful times on the calendar. This is why we're so excited. It's why we sang songs today and you could feel the joy in the room is because we're overjoyed ourselves by discovering this person of Jesus. So on coming to the house, underline that phrase, on coming to the house, these three wise men, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now we know if women had shown up, they would have brought casseroles and diapers. But the guys bring gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now what's a kid gonna do with that? But having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Notice here again, discernment. The ability to see past, the ability to hear God's voice, the ability to be led away from danger. So I have two questions this morning. Who are these magi? I mean, they're fascinating to me. These three guys show up, who are they? And why did they follow a star? What is so important in their particular belief system that a sign from heaven would cause them to leave their country, go to another land, a foreign land to look for a baby. So who are they? So it's important for you to know who these people are. <clears throat> so the Magi were very educated. They, they, were, they were educated men who understood Hebrew prophecies. In fact, the book of Daniel briefly mentions how Daniel may have been the one that introduced the Magi people to Yahweh God. So the book of Daniel talks about the Magi, but they were very educated. They spent their time studying. They, they were people that were serious. They, they were looking for signs in the heavens, prophecies to be fulfilled. And they were Persian, so they were probably from modern day Iran. Now, I don't wanna mess up your Christmas, all right? I'm not trying to be the killjoy in the room today, okay? But many of you are living in absolute heresy and I wanna just bring it to life today, okay? The Magi arrived at a house wasn't the manger. Jesus was probably two years old before the wise men showed up. So when you go home today and you're in a nativity scene where you have baby Jesus, donkeys, cows looking over in the manger and you have these three wise men, that didn't happen. So I just wanna expose that today so that you're not living in half truth for the rest of your life. The Magi shows up about two years later at a house where Mary was raising, Jesus was probably getting close to being diaper trained at this point. He, he, was, he was toddling, he was walking around. So that's, I just wanna point that out. Oh, I don't mean to disturb you. All right, that was a free of charge. Why then, here's the bigger question I wanna ask today. Why was King Herod so disturbed? When I read this story, why, why how in the world could you be disturbed, be upset? by the arrival of a baby. Why was he so disturbed? Well, part of the, part of the answer to that is how the Magi arrived. Most people don't realize when we, when we hear this story, when you watch it on some movie, you see these three wise men coming into town by themselves, that's not what happened. They probably arrived with two or 300 security guards with them. They were carrying gold, frankincense and myrrh, and they were coming across very dangerous areas of the world where they could be robbed. So when the Magi came into Jerusalem, they had a cavalry of formidable men with them. So I want you to think about these three well-dressed, very, uh, very important people coming into Jerusalem with a small army 
armed to the teeth and they get into the public square and the first question they ask is, where is the real king of the Jews? It felt like an insurrection. It felt like an invasion. The whole town is talking. Are they going to declare a new king? Are they here to throw Herod off of his throne? The problem with Herod though is he was protecting his power and he was willing to use violence to keep it because Herod had gotten his power by violence and he was willing to keep it by violence. Now, New Life Church, stop just for a moment. That same spirit is alive and well on the earth today. As your pastor, be very suspicious, be very cautious of people who use violent means to obtain power. Because if they will use violent means to obtain power, they will resort to violence in order to keep their power. In other words, when a tyrant comes into, uh, into leadership, the only way you can get rid of that tyrant is through acts of violence. That's not the kingdom of heaven. That is spiritual darkness that has been hovering over the earth now for thousands of years. And Herod had given himself over to a spirit of violence. He obtained his position by violence and he was willing to use violence to keep it. And so this is important to know about Herod. He, through a strategic marriage, he, uh, he had kind of a, an arranged marriage and a display really of brutal betrayals and murders. Herod became king of the Jews at the age of 25. Now, let me just stop here for a moment. He could barely rent a car. Now, I love all the young 20-somethings in the room. I love you, I'm here for you. I'm for you, not against you. But your frontal lobe does not fully develop until you're around 25 years old. You have no business running a country until you're about 40 or 50. We even have it in our constitution. You can't be president until you're 35. There's a reason for that. Herod was 25 years old with a power that he had obtained by violence. In fact, Herod was a rising star in the Roman Empire for a very good reason, two very good reasons. Herod had impressed Roman rulers with the way he collected taxes and he suppressed revolts. If you wanted to rise up in the ranks in the Roman Empire, there were two things you better do well. Collect the taxes and suppress the revolts. And Rome loved this guy. Rome loved Herod because Herod came into Jerusalem and he collected the taxes, which was about 70 to 80% tax rate, by the way. And he put down every revolt and he did it in a violent way. He had his hands over the people of Jerusalem. In other words, at the most violent time in the history of Israel, one of the most violent times, a baby is born. The Prince of Peace arrives on the scene at one of the most dark and violent times in the history of Israel. But Israel knows what violence does to them. I want you to just give you like a, a brief tutorial here. Genesis chapter one, when you open up your Bible, your grandmother's signature, Genesis one, God creates life in Genesis one. Genesis one and Genesis two are great. I mean, it's utopia, it's beautiful, dominion, power, creation story. Genesis three though, sin comes into the world. Three chapters in, three chapters, sin has already come into the world. And you know what happens in Genesis chapter four? Cain kills his brother Abel. So in four chapters, God gives us this perfect world 
and it's already contaminated and corrupted by what? Violence. In fact, by Genesis chapter six, let me read this to you in Genesis chapter six, six chapters into the Bible. Genesis chapter six, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of what? Violence. Listen, I'm gonna stop here for a moment. It's important for you to see this. And this is why the Christmas story is so powerful to us as Christians. Every time God wants to do something, it's going to be opposed by violent acts. Our enemy is a violent enemy. We then, as the people of God, are the followers of the Prince of Peace. We don't use violence to get our way. We follow the Prince of Peace. The world's way to get power and keep power is through violence. The kingdom of heaven is bigger and stronger than that because we don't resort to violence. We follow the Prince of Peace. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm gonna put an end to all this. For the earth is filled with what? Violence. And I'm going to destroy both them and the earth. Now, we, that's the story in Genesis chapter six. It doesn't get much better after Noah. In fact, if you keep reading, excuse me for wiping my nose in front of you here, but if you keep reading, the, the book of Exodus is a violent story. In fact, in Exodus chapter one, we have this story being played out that Pharaoh himself felt threatened by the people of God. So Pharaoh gave the order to all of his people, every boy that is born, you gotta throw him into the river. So this is not the first time that we see infanticide in the Bible. We see this violent act being played out over and over again throughout the scriptures, the book of Exodus, but let every girl live. Now, that's exactly what Herod was about to do. Herod now is hearing the story from the Magi that a new king of the Jews has been born in Bethlehem. And he's so insecure, he's so, so threatened by that report Look what he does in chapter, Matthew 2, verse, skip down to verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Now I'm telling you these stories not to put a heavy burden on you for Christmas. I'm actually telling you something that's gonna be very hopeful for you. Every time you believe that the world can't get any darker, remember that God has always responded to the darkest seasons of our history by bursting forth with light. And I believe this is true in the moment that we're living in. New Life Church, this is why it's so important to have your eschatology lined up with the scriptures. How will this end? Let me tell you how it's going to end. The world is going to get darker and darker and the church is gonna become pure and more beautiful and the light, the darkness will not overcome the light. The light will always win. The light is going to break through. And this is why the Christmas story is so fantastic to me. Because in a dark and murderous world that Jesus was born into, Jesus came at that very moment to give us light and life. New Life Church, I know you came here today maybe for a sanitized Santa story, but I don't have those. Because the world doesn't need a sanitized Santa story right now. The world needs to be introduced to the Prince of Peace. 
I'm here today to show you somebody that without fear, Jesus left the celestial palace of heaven and he came into a dark and murderous world in a very vulnerable position. There's nothing more vulnerable than being born as a baby. And in that vulnerable spot where all power seemed to be leveled against him, where the, even Herod himself was trying to wipe him out, everything was trying to wipe him out. The light overcame the darkness. The light overcame. Herod had position, he had riches, and he had power, but he was disturbed. He had no peace. New Life Church, some of you have position and riches and power. And there's nothing wrong with those three things, by the way, as long as they are put in the right order of importance in your life. Some of you have had a good year and you've attained position. Maybe you have obtained riches this year. Maybe you have become more powerful in your sphere of influence. But let me tell you what, if, you, if you're missing peace, you're not gonna sleep well at night. If you're missing peace, then you're missing life. And this is what Jesus has come to offer you today. He's come to offer you peace. He didn't, he's not coming to take away your position. He's not coming to take away your power. He's not coming to take away your riches. He's coming to offer something that is more, that's greater than any of those things, the peace of the Lord. And we just sang this song, and the song we just sang is right out of Isaiah 9. I'm gonna read this scripture to you, and then we're gonna to pray together. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Leave that up just for a moment, because this is, I want you to see this. The word government is a Hebrew word for ultimate responsibility. What he's saying here is that God himself is taking ultimate responsibility for you to flourish. In other words, what is the purpose of government on the earth today? The purpose of government, godly government on the earth allows for everyone to flourish. When government is operating under godly principles, the people that are under that government are flourishing, right? You should have said amen to that. I hope you're catching this. All right, so when, it, when he says that the government will be on his shoulders, he's saying Jesus has taken responsibility for you to flourish. The ultimate responsibility, he says, I'm gonna take that weight upon myself. You can't flourish in your own strength. I will take ultimate responsibility for you to flourish and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. In just a moment, we're gonna sing this song. It's a very familiar Christmas song, but it's one of my favorite. Joy to the world, the Lord has come and let earth receive her King and let every heart prepare her room. This morning when I woke up, very early this morning, I woke up at about five o'clock this morning, I started praying for you at the 11 o'clock service that there would be many of you sitting here today and many of you watching online that today would be the day where you would make room in your life for Jesus. He's come and he's offering you peace. He's not coming here to punish you. He's coming here to give you peace. And if you're missing that today, I wanna to offer it to you. The Prince of Peace has come and his name is Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? We just turn your hands toward heaven if that's you today. Maybe you've been following the Lord for a, a really long time. 
but you're missing something in this season and you just need peace. Maybe you have position and powers and riches, but you're missing peace. So I'm gonna pray a simple prayer today. And if that's you in the room, if maybe you're hearing this for the very first time, maybe you've never heard the good news of the gospel. And the good news is he's taken responsibility for you. He's taken the burden and the weight and the responsibility for you upon his shoulders. And all we have to do today is believe and to receive. Father in heaven, we thank you that joy has come to the world. And we say, let earth receive her king. Let earth receive the king. Let every heart make room for the Prince of Peace today. Father in heaven, I pray in this room and all of those watching online that they would make a decision right now in this, in this moment to make room for more of Jesus, to make room for the Prince of Peace. So Father in heaven, thank you that you've come to bring joy, joy unspeakable, joy full of glory. Thank you for bringing joy to the world. Can we sing this song today? In just a moment, Pastor Tim's gonna come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this out today.
church, if you have your communion elements, you can go ahead and grab them and open them up. <laughs> such a season, such a moment of anticipation. You know, one of the moments that stood out there to me in Pastor Brady's sermon as he's talking about from the book of Isaiah, how the government will be on his shoulders. Ultimate responsibility, ultimate authority. And the question is, to do what? Pastor Ray said, to give us lives that flourish. And the only place that life flourishes is in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why we come to the table. We, we take this as a moment to acknowledge and receive what Christ has done on our behalf. And so on the night our beloved Savior was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he looked at his followers and he said, this is my body broken for you. In the midst of your brokenness, I shall be your prince of peace. In the midst of your pain, I shall be Emmanuel. Brothers and sisters, this is a gift of God given for the people of God. Let us receive it together in faith. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. I've washed you. I have made you new. I have given you new reality. Simply receive me. Brothers and sisters, this is a gift from God given for the people of God. Let us receive it with joy. Now, one more time, can you just lift up a song of joy to the Lord? that we will see you this Friday at three times. This is your quiz. What are they? Two, four, and six. Invite a neighbor, invite a friend. It is going to be an incredible service. So beautiful, so fun. Please come. Next Sunday, there is one service. And what time will that be? 10 o'clock, absolutely. I would like to invite our prayer ministry team to go ahead and come on down. Brothers and sisters, can you open your hands one more time with me today as I send you out with the benediction? Sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, as you go from this place, may the Prince of Peace bless you 
and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his bright smiling countenance towards you and grant you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Please go God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you.